passion projects, growth moments, stretch goals. All of these are really important when it comes to remaining engaged in your day-to-day. And not just us personally, but the teams we lead as well. That's why we're going to dive into Buyer's Remorse, a short film Karen and her team at Render Studios developed, which is now making its way through the festival circuit. I want to hear all about it, from why they tackled a short to the benefits they're seeing today. Let's get to it. The Speakeasy Podcast, real talk about leadership and sanity in the creative industry. I'm Karen Steffel. And I'm Jen Estel. Managing creativity and business, we probably have an opinion on that. No prohibitions. Clearly, we have cocktails. I don't, I don't even know how to pronounce this. It's the Ibiza. Actually, I read a whole article about the proper pronunciation of this. Um, it's a, it's a, like a, I lost the word island, Jesus Christ, in Spain. And there are arguments about how you pronounce it, but Ibiza is what I've come to. Fantastic. Well, it has one of my favorite liqueurs in it, the liqueur 43. Um, and there's just some, a unique taste about that look about that liqueur. It's just so good. And then um, you drink this cocktail cold and it's got pineapple juice in it and you garnish it with a little bit of, of pineapple juice. Yeah. And I really, the liqueur 43 is so interesting. We've talked about it and we've used it before because it's a very complicated flavor and very, very delicious. And mixing it with the pineapple, honestly, I could drink this for days. Mm-hmm. You should all try it. You also should not drink it for days though. Okay. Probably your liver would not like that. Uh, probably would wake up with your liver on the nightstand with like a, a picket sign. <laughs> <laughs> it's out there looking for better working conditions. Yeah. yeah something along those lines. I'm a visual person. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> okay. So this is a really fun episode. I get to interview Karen kind of and get into her brain. Mm. Um, so the first thing I want you to do, Karen, is explain to our audience what a short is. Mm. So a short is a short film. Um, It's exactly what it sounds like. But um, typically, some people define it as um, a film under 30 minutes, and some people uh, feel like they're under five. Typically, it's under 30 minutes. And then there's the micro shorts, which are under five. That's pretty cool. And this one is right around five, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Or is it at five? It's at five. And so explain to me also a little. So you produce videos for clients, which is different than making a film. Mm-hmm. So get me from point A to point B. The backpack story is that I have, a, I've always had this journal. And whenever I would see people in public that um, I thought looked like an interesting character, I might like take a snapshot in my mind of that person. And then I would go home and I would write their story. It totally fictitious, but I would make up like who they are and like, why were they wearing a bathrobe in public? And, you know, or like whatever the thing is. Right. And so I had this character journal and, um, it's just always something I wanted to tap into. And so I've had this character living in my head for years and it's a person so the basis of buyer's remorse it really it really explores the notion of whether whether money buys you happiness or not but also it touches on notes about um kind of our consumerism culture and how easy it is to one click what we need um and so this woman has been living in my head for so many years and I just really needed to make her character come to life so that she could vacate my body. That's funny. I'm, I have so many questions about your character journal. <laughs> How old were you when you started that journal? In college. 
That's very cool. And you've had her floating around for quite some time. Mm, probably five years, three to five years. So, so did did she finally need to get out, or did you decide to that that tackling a short was something you and the team wanted to do, and she was the obvious answer? Which came first there? I needed her to get out of my body. I needed to tell her story. That's very interesting. Okay, so I don't know how much you want to tell. I mean, it, um, listeners, it's 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 a delightful watch. I know the first time I saw it, I got a couple of tears in my eyes. It's beautifully done, um, short, easy to um, easy to consume. So we will have a link for you on our website so you can get to it and in our socials. So I don't know if we want to give away the whole story, but do you want to kind of set set up more about what it's about or should we just talk about the making of said short well i can i what i'll say is that because it is an exploration of our consumerism culture and that money can't buy you happiness it's a woman who will kind of compulsively buy things online and she writes reviews on products but they are the life she paints in her reviews are the vision of who she wants to be. It's not really who she is. Very cool. And you said, and so you, you wrote the script for this and you came up with her personality. And right now this has been produced for, for some time and you're on the um, film circuit. Tell us a little bit about that before we get into why you made the film. Um, so yeah, we, we made it uh, pre COVID and then it sat on a shelf for a year because we really wanted many film festivals don't allow you, don't allow you to be eligible if you've released it already uh, because they want to be able to premiere your piece. And so it sat for a year, a full year um, because we literally finished it right before COVID happened and um, film festivals, you know, didn't happen. And then they went virtual. And so they're coming back now and that's really fun to see that it gets picked up by um, like places all over the world. It's really, really all over the country, but it, even all over the world. I'm just so impressed. It kind of gives me goosebumps. And and the interesting part though, then this, again, this is not what you do for a living. You're, you don't make feature films. You usually do creativity and production for hire. And this is a place where you were producing your own idea. So talk a little bit about that and the scope of work there. So yes, I, I will disagree with you though. Um, that it is what we do for a living. While we don't produce fiction, we are stewards of people's stories. And so, yeah. and we take great care in telling stories. It just happens that this one is fiction, um, but a story nonetheless. So, um, but the, the, I guess, yes, I guess I would say developing your own story and fiction rather than a story that is serving a client. Correct. You know, the the idea of producing this as a team, there are so many times when, and you know this in your own in your own studio, that there are times where the um, the bumpers that get put up by scope of work, whether that's timeline or budget or client preference, that um, that you are not completely unbound to create. And um, the sandbox of what would you do if there were no bounds um, is a really fun sandbox to play in. Um, it creates a whole new conversations. Um, we each get to explore and reach deep. 
And uh, there, there was even a bit of cross training in uh, in the making of this film because not everybody assumed their normal roles, um, or we did our role and something else, and and that was a really fun exploration. I co-directed with my creative director, which was completely satisfying and and fabulous. We had two different um, DPs because there, um, if you see the film, there are um, two different worlds. And so we wanted the mm-hmm. we wanted them shot differently. We even used different cameras for those two different worlds, and um, so we made a lot of very intentional choices, creative choices in creating it. That's so interesting to hear because I'm I'm the first time I saw it, and every time since I'm always struck by color. I think that the color is just so intentional and so thoughtful and beautiful, but in those two different realities, it's very, very different. Yeah. And so now that makes a lot of sense. If you had two different directors of photography and two different cameras, I can see how those choices aided in that final product. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for noticing. Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Um, When you are imagining in a passion project like this and when you are, you know, producing and directing, was that in your head or, or was that a collaboration between your team or happenstance? How much of that is pre-planned and how much of it is serendipity? Um, it very much happened that way in my head. Um, I didn't necessarily know what color it was, but I knew that I wanted one world to be technicolor almost. Uh, not Pleasantville, right? But really, right. really saturated. Um, almost not real, you know? Yeah. As a and, contrast um, to reality. And you're but the, the the reality color has a very deep beauty to it too. And and it's interesting how you've used color to set a mood, which I find really interesting. And what I do like about this, you know, getting back to um project that's unrelated to client work, all of the skills that you need for client work are exhibited here. And in some ways, it's so interesting to see because that thought about color and contrast and like the sound, I want you to talk to me about the sound and the soundtrack on it, which I think is very interesting. There's not a ton of dialogue in portions of it. And all of that sets a mood. Yeah. So one of my favorite film composers is John Brian. And um, he can, one of the things that he does so brilliantly is he can go from fantasy to discord so quickly and so Hmm. naturally that he can just kind of like whip your mood or whip your experience so quickly. And um, he, there's almost like a, there's like a I don't know, in, in my head, fantasy sounds like a Parisian cafe. And so in, in this style of fantasy and, um, it was really important to me to contrast just like the color, the quietness or the loneliness of somebody's life with the vibrance of their fantasy. And that's done really well in the sound, I think. Thanks. I worked with a composer, um, who who lives in Florida and I've worked with them before on commercial projects. And so when I pitched him the idea, I had to, I was worried that I'd have to talk him into it. And 
Uh, I didn't. You know, we talked about the the sound behind the movie Amale. We talked about the sound behind um, Spotless Mind, and he was he was all in. He was like, "Yes, I I I have to do this project now." And so that was a real honor. Were you very confident going into this project? Because, like you said, this woman had been living in your mind for quite some time. You decided to do this project that was outside of you know paying work. So you become sort of the client and the person who birthed birthed the idea do you become self-conscious or very confident or how does how does that feel to be in that position um i definitely did not feel like the client on this at all um i we when we decided that this was the short we were going to run with that it was the team's choice that this is the one um i felt like we all were really good stewards of of her and um and there were a couple times in the creative process, and sometimes this happens, as I, you know, I would say, you know, I really can see it this way. But really, there were several versions of the ending that we um, tested uh, just verbally. And um, the the current ending was not the original ending. And I just think it's so much better for the collaboration. That's neat. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about your team, because something you said right now, I thought was very interesting. Once we decided, it's almost as if once this, as a team, once this idea came to fruition, it was its own being and everyone on your team had to respect what, what she needed rather than looking at a creative brief, for example. Oh, a hundred percent. I think everybody felt for one reason or another connected to who this who the character is and what her experience would be um everybody kind of saw it through their own lens i think which is what we do with when we consume a film anyway and we just wanted to do right by her we wanted her to we just wanted her to live and i wanted her out of my head <laughs> i truly felt like she inhabited me i know it sounds so silly but i just wanted her out there and so yeah i i absolutely think that everybody just kind of took good care of wanting it right and everybody kind of owned their piece of of moving it forward that's a really good segue to tell me about how that worked with the team especially if you sort of stretched and worked in spaces that you don't normally work in and sort of put your boss hat on for a moment. And how does that help your team, grow your team, change your team to take on a project like this? Well, you know, so, you know, for example, Garrett really wanted to direct. And that's a space where he really excels, especially in scripted pieces. He's a really good director of people, right? different than the unscripted stuff that I really have a passion for. And so we co-directed. It was (laughs) totally fun to do. Uh, Lily did an amazing job on making the art direction come to life and making sure that the things that we purchased and like kind of what you mentioned in the color and some of the choices we made, she did a brilliant job making the sets come to life and um, having our shoot day be pulled off, frankly. And it was really fun hearing um, discussions about camera and, and why we made certain decisions on which camera needed to, you know, this camera, you can really push the blacks. And so that way, that's why we're going to use it in this one, uh, in this particular scene. And so, you know, Scott gets to 
totally play with lighting. And let, you know, the lighting is really what makes um, the color grade that you notice so Interesting. possible. And Scott has grown um, so much in the last few years in lighting. Uh, he was good to begin with, but like he really has experimented and grown. And it's it's just been a really satisfying process. You know, Eric collaborated with David, my former business partner, and they really talked a lot about which camera would get used for which portion of the storytelling and why, you know, and how the lighting would influence um, the way we acquired the images so that they would ultimately get the proper color grade for, for the story that we were trying to tell. And so it just was a really fun process. I really like that every, everyone had a piece and a part of it. Oh, yeah. And and it came together in such a successful and interesting piece. I can't wait to see it do more. I mean, it's it's always been fun because forever, I don't know how long, Render has done a holiday video. Um, I really like the one with the pickle, personally. But, but this is, um, so I always look forward to those, to seeing those come out and they're part of the holiday season that that I've internalized. And so seeing you move into this short space and doing that feels very natural in some ways, but it also feels very breakthrough in other ways. And it also, to me, just is it's such a great illustration of what you can do with great resources and great talent and how that can translate to almost anybody who might need need what you do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, thank you. That's very kind. And, and you know, I think I contrast working on a short differently than our holiday films. Our holiday films are almost, they've almost become inside jokes or, you know, they're very targeted at the people who already know who we are. They often feature us as a team. And so it highlights kind of our personalities. So it, it's very different than telling a fictitious story, even though Smickle the Pickle was for sure fictitious. Um, yeah, but Smickle was so fun. He was, so he was fun. Um, maybe one day he'll make a return. And um, and speaking of talent, I, I would be totally remiss if I didn't mention our actor, Sally Hexel. She is absolutely brilliant, and she can tell a story with her face without any dialogue at all. Yeah, that's a great observation because essentially half – of the story, she's not speaking, mm -hmm. but we know everything that she's thinking. Mm -hmm. It becomes really obvious. And so that contrast between the two halves and the portions in which she's clearly speaking to the audience, but we're not hearing any words. It's pretty impressive. I couldn't do it. That's for sure. No, she's really gifted. So a passion project, you know, the, the nice thing about it to me too, is you, you've been in business for a lot of years. Yeah. You folks have been very good at what you do for a lot of years. You don't need to work hard to be successful or or to show off by any stretch of the imagination. So how does it feel to still have passion to do a project? It gives hope to all the rest of the people out there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, like all things, like whether it's a passion project or a hobby, they can ebb and flow, right? Sometimes you're tapped out and sometimes you're overflowing. And certainly I think putting our passion into this project, I think filled our tanks even more. Um, so for that, it's worth it. I love that thought, the fact that sometimes putting putting that effort in actually re-energizes you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think that's very true. Yeah. Well, when you give kindness, 
right? You're putting kindness into somebody else. And when you goes back to the old bucket, bucket filler book from elementary school. Right. So my question, she, you, you got, you got the character out of your head. Do you miss her? Has she come back into your head? And do you have another character who's knocking around in there? Um, I do have another character who's knocking around in there, but that's not the next film we're making. Um, we did not make one last year because of COVID, but we definitely have um, our next script written and we will be doing it this summer. Ooh, that's exciting. Yeah. So how, what does a process like that take? Um, explain to us. I know that this one had to sit on the shelf for a little bit. Buyer's Remorse did. But assuming we don't have more pandemics getting in the way, <laughs> what what is the life cycle and timeline of putting together a project like this? You know, um, because we're fitting it in, <laughs> right? This, is, um, <laughs> And it's not to say that it's not important, but you know, we've got client work to do and other deadlines. So I think, I think buyer's remorse was about six months, you know, we would um, write and then it would sit and then we'd meet about it again. And then we, it took us a while to find the right person uh, to, to, to be our gal. And um, yeah, about six months. It took me a really long time to, to do the, to work with the composer because it just needed to be perfect. And I, I knew I could hear it in my head. And sometimes that's the hardest. When you have it fully formed in your head, getting it out and into the universe can be mm -hmm. a challenge. So give me a couple of the clues that the rest of us should look for in our own lives when we have a project and it's time. Something that's been knocking around and you thought you might do it. When is it time? What turned you from thinking to moving? Hmm. That's a great question. I think it was just number one. And I've said this three times. I just wanted her out. I was obsessing over her. It was almost like a recurring dream, but it was during, it was like a recurring daydream. She was getting in the way. And if I didn't do it, I wouldn't be able to shake it. And then I just figured I didn't have anything to lose. Wait, so what I heard here felt almost like childbirth at the eight and a half month. You've just got to get out of here. I, I'm done with you. I'm evicting you. I think at one point during, right before we shot, I said, I feel like I'm finally evicting her. I think is that's what I said. And I think that's what I said when I was pregnant too. Yeah, that's really funny. Well, it's a fantastic short. Tell us a little bit about where people can see it or where it has been seen, et cetera. Um, so... We, we have been in Atlanta at the Southern Shorts Awards. We won Award of Excellence for Drama, Austin Microfilm Festival, Best Drama Film uh, Finalist, Capital City Film Festival, Hell's Half, Half Mile uh, Film and Music Festival, and the Detroit She-Town Women's Film Festival. And we are waiting to hear, um, we're waiting to hear back about a film festival in Europe that is also features women, uh, Poland, in fact. Very cool. Yeah. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Gosh, it's, Thank I've kind of, I want to go back and watch it again. It's been a minute. Yeah, no, it's delightful. I, um, I've watched it a couple of times recently because I knew we were going to, um, record this episode. And every time I see something slightly different and a detail that is sort of nuanced and I go, Oh, I bet they did this because. And so for me, just knowing you and how you do your work, it's interesting to watch again and again and look for those small details. And it's really interesting to hear in your head 
how those all came together to form the whole, which, you know, any good product has so many facets to it, right? And so hearing what those feel like and look like is really a lot of fun. Thank you. Yay, Karen. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, it, it's yeah. been fun to talk about. On to the next one. Listeners, you're going to have to go take a look at it and tell us what you think. And look, when you when you watch, think about that sound and that color because I think that they're really cool. <laughs> wouldn't trade being a small business owner for anything in the world. How about you? I would not either, but sometimes, whew, messy. Oh gosh, it sure is. So join us next time for some straight talk. The good, the bad, the ugly. See you then. Cheers. Cheers.